Welcome to Transforming Lives with Michael Carter, pastor of The Life Church. The Life Church is a place where you'll enjoy interactive dynamic worship, prayer, and a very practical, down-to-earth yet spiritual message. Our service times are Sunday morning at 10 a.m. and Wednesday night reboot at 6.45 p.m. Visit us at mychurchlife.org or on Facebook. Just search My Church Life and look for The Life Church. Now, let's join Pastor Mike. Well, we're going to continue in our series this Christmas season. Um, despite the year we've had and, uh, you know, some of the things that uh, have gone wrong, we can still say, because Jesus is still on the throne, that it's a wonderful life. Come on. It's a wonderful life. It's not just a movie, <laughs> but our life is a wonderful life, even if we can't see it. And I know that might be hard for some to swallow sometimes, but Jesus said that I bring you peace. And that's what we're going to talk about today. It's a wonderful life. So if you can turn over to Isaiah chapter nine, very familiar uh, passage of scripture, very familiar verse of scripture. We preach on it all the time at Christmas time. But even though it's familiar, even though it's almost a cliche as far as scriptures go, it's still true. It's still true. Isaiah still prophesied this in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. This is what Isaiah told the people. He said, for unto us a child, a child is born. Unto us a son is given and the government will be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Well, I think about this simple passage, this simple verse of Scripture. Uh, I often, or whenever I do read it, I often, you know, sort of just skip right through it. And His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And this Christmas season uh, has caused me to pause and think about what that means. We often would say that God is wonderful, wouldn't we? God does wonderful things. Even when life is not wonderful for us, God is wonderful. But if you think about what Isaiah's saying here in this prophecy, is he's not just saying that God does wonderful things. His name shall be called wonderful. His name is wonderful. And I don't know if we fully get the implication that his name is wonderful and the emphasis that God has put on names and how they mean something. His name is wonderful. His name is counselor. His name is mighty God. It's, it's not what he does. It's who he is. His name is everlasting father. His name and I want to talk a little bit about this today, is Prince of Peace. His name is Prince of Peace. You know, during the, the Christmas season, one of the things that we do traditionally as people is, you know, we make Christmas lists. You know, we've asked our kids, you know, what do you want for Christmas? Make your Christmas list and put all those 20 things on there that cost $500 each, and we'll get you one of them. And uh, 
you know, and, and but we make lists. And what, what do you want for Christmas? I was asked the question last week, uh, you know, what is your favorite Christmas gift of all times? And, you know, what do you want? <clears throat> what do you want? What do you want for Christmas? And um, <clears throat> I think out of all the things uh, that we want really in our heart, if we were really introspective and we really thought about it, <clears throat> we really looked at things in a bigger picture, right? Not just uh, I can play my Xbox for six months or I can wear this shirt uh, or whatever gift you may get. If you really looked at history and you really looked at the totality of humanity and you said, what do I really want for Christmas? I would think that many of us would say, can we just have peace? Can we have some peace? Can we have peace? We look back at this year and we would say, what do we want? We want, we want a vaccine. We want a cure. We want, what do we want? Can we just have some peace? Can we have peace? I think about married couples. And, um, you know, I think about my wife goes, you know, goes to work. And, you know, when she comes home and uh, I, I imagine that one of the things that she wants and, and one of the things that I want when I, you know, go to work and, and, and work real hard and you come home is you're hoping that there's peace, right? You're not, you're hoping that it, I, I saw a commercial on TV where, uh, a woman came home from work and, you know, her kids, uh, Patty, you saw that when her kids were, she opened the door as soon as she got home from work. Her kid, you know, the dog was running. It's, it's not like they weren't being kids, you know, but dog was running all over the place and the kids were throwing stuff at each other. And she opened the door and then she just closed the door back <laughs> and went back and sat in her car, you know, and just listened to music for a minute. Let me just, you know, and uh, why? It's because we, we long, we long for peace. We long for peace. And when you really think about it, Jesus, one of his greatest promises, uh, other than salvation, obviously, is peace. He said, peace, we'll, we'll read that scripture in a few moments, peace I give to you, peace I bring to you. Think about when the angel came to the shepherds. This is part of our Christmas story. The angels came to the shepherds in, uh, in the field, and they said, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, what? Peace. This is what Jesus is bringing. Peace. Jesus could have said a lot of things. You know, I, 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 I bring to you fame. I, I bring to you fortune. You know, a lot of people, when you ask, what, what do you want for Christmas? What would be your ultimate Christmas gift? They may say money. And you know what? Actually, that's not a bad uh, gift. I mean, you can help a lot of people with money, uh, you know, but it depends on your heart, right, uh, as to what you do with it. So it's not that that's a bad gift, but money comes and goes, to be honest with you. It does. I, I don't, you know, maybe you were born with a silver spoon. Maybe you haven't experienced that. But I know in my life, I've experienced money comes and goes. And uh, but it's the blessing of the Lord that makes one rich. We know that. And so, you know, Jesus, one of his great promises uh, was, I bring you peace. He could have said anything. I bring you wealth. I bring you uh, I, I bring you fame. I'm going to make you TikTok famous. I'll make you, some of y'all don't know, don't worry about it. Yeah, I know, don't worry about that. It's, you know, I'll make you Instagram famous or I'll make you a celebrity. I'll bring, but he said, I'll bring you peace. I bring you peace. I bring you peace. And I think it's so important. And I think we lose track of that sometimes. I think that we get in trouble as people when we lose our perspective on the impact of peace. I really do. I think when we lose our perspective on the impact of peace, uh, we get in trouble. 
we get in trouble. We, get, we, we start looking at the world through uh, worldly glasses and not through God's perspective, the kingdom perspective, right? Because, uh, you know, it's, it's selfish. We want to be selfish. We're, 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 we are our, in, our, in our flesh, it's natural for us to be selfish and self-centered. And so that's why Jesus said, I bring you peace. And I want to just talk about that peace. You know, in John 10, 10, he said, the enemy comes not but to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have life and that more abundantly. And I believe part of that abundant life is the peace that he brings. Now, when we talk about peace, the first thing you think of when you think of peace, you think of the absence of conflict. That's what I think of. When I think of peace, I think of we're not at war. It's peacetime. When I was in the, the service, we talked a lot about that. Uh, you know, when the Gulf War was over and it's like, well, it's not wartime now, it's peacetime. So we do things differently in peacetime than we do in wartime. And we, we contrast war with peace. But I want to tell you this morning that peace is so much more than the absence of war. It's so much more than the absence of conflict. That's why Jesus said, I, I br peace I bring to you, my peace I give to you. We don't understand that peace. That's why in Philippians, uh, and we'll read it again a little bit. Yeah, that's why in Philippians chapter 4, it says uh, the peace that passes all understanding. We don't comprehend the peace that Jesus brings to us. You know, in the Hebrew, this word peace uh, is completeness. It means wholeness. It means so much more than just the absence of war. In the Hebrew, it means, watch this, fulfillment. That's what it means. It means prosperity of the soul. Peace means so much more. It means wellness. It means safety and harmony in our relationships. It means the blessings of God. And it also means calmness. Peace means all of those things. I don't know if you have that Sarah, to put that up there. Peace means so much more than just there is no war. And, and what we have to understand is that peace has come to us in a person. I said peace has come to us in a person. It's not just that he said here, I'm going to shoot some peace to you through the atmosphere. He said, I'm going to give you peace, so I'm going to come to bring you this peace. Peace comes to us in the form of a person. Peace that Jesus brings to our soul as we make things right with God, the peace with God. What does this wonderful peace look like? What does this wonderful peace look like? Well, first of all, one of the things that we have to realize is the, that this peace is so much more than the absence of war. This peace is actually comes in the form of, number one, reconciliation with God. You see, if there's no reconciliation with God, then there is no peace. All right? I know there have been a lot of chants over the years, a lot of protests, you know, no justice, no peace. And uh, listen, no reconciliation with God, no peace. No reconciliation with God, no peace. And the world can't grasp that. Ephesians 2, 14 to 15 says this. It says, for he himself is our peace. Remember, peace came in the form of a person. He is our peace. Why are you looking for peace? And so you're looking for peace in treaties and you're looking for peace in so many other places. And Jesus said, I am, I am. Before Moses was, 
I am. I am your peace. I am your peace who has made both one. He has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity. And you know, enmity is an interesting word. I know there's a definition for enmity, but look at enmity like this. Two things, oil and water, that cannot come together. It's impossible for them to come together in any kind of harmony. They are the absolute opposite of each other. Dark and light. Dark and light can't be in the same place. When you turn on the light, you can't have dark. It, it won't be there. You can't have it. They can't be in the same place. And that's the way we were with God. We were at enmity with God. But he broke down that wall. Come on. He broke down the wall and has abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself, get this now, one new man from the two, thus making peace, making peace. He brings peace. There is nothing like peace. There's nothing like peace. And if you don't get that, if you don't understand that, find yourself sometime in a chaotic situation where there's just chaos all around you. Chaos all around you, and you don't know when it'll end, if it'll end, what's going to happen, and then all of a sudden everything calms down and there's peace. There's nothing like the peace that Jesus brings to us. Romans 5.1 says, therefore, having been justified by faith, by the way, faith plays a big part in our peace. Come on. Being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Knowing that we have peace of God with God allows us to understand that we have a God that loves us with an everlasting love. It doesn't end. You don't have to worry about if I mess up, he's going to stop loving me. You don't have to worry about that. He loves you with an everlasting, unconditional love. There's a thing about, there, you know, there are conditions to blessing. There are conditions to so many things. But just his love toward you is an unconditional love. Come on. There's no love like God's love. He'll forgive. He'll restore you. He will give you new life, abundant life, eternal life. That's what God does for you. And then, number two, wonderful peace of God in life's perplexing circumstances. We have so many different circumstances, but he brings us peace in his perplexing circumstances. This is Philippians 4, 7, and the peace of God, which what? Surpasses all of our understanding, our comprehension. We cannot grasp this peace that he is bringing to us. We don't understand it. That is the peace that will guard your heart and your mind. Come on. That's what Paul is telling the church at Philippi. Through Christ Jesus, I don't understand. In the middle of all of this, how can there be peace? How can there be peace? Can we have peace? Can we have peace in 2020? Can we have it in an election year, in a, in a, in a pandemic year? In a, a crazy year, can we have peace? The answer is yes, we can, but it only comes through the person of Jesus Christ. And if we didn't understand that any time this year, if we didn't understand that any time this year, now is the time for us to grasp that concept. Jesus said, I come to give you peace, peace. Another scripture says, then you will experience God's peace. Uh, another version of Philippians 4, 7, the, the NLT, you will, you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. 
His peace will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The message put it this way. Before you know it, watch this. A sense of God's wholeness. Everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry. Remember, the two can't be in the same place. Displaces worry at the center of your life when he displaces it. You ever been in a situation like that? I have when I just, I said, man, this is crazy. I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's going on. Uh, you know, and I, I almost had to, to use my grandmother's phrase. My grandmother used to say all the time to us kids, y'all ain't going to worry me. That, that was her phrase. That's her phrase. We'd, we'd go to her with all kind of different things and so-and-so hit me and, and Jay stole my green beans and, you know, Michael kicked me in the shin and my grandmother at some point, she said, y'all ain't going to worry me. Y'all are not going to worry me. <laughs> and I think there's great insight <laughs> in that statement, right? I have the peace of Jesus, so guess what? Y'all ain't going to worry me. I know you talk about the virus and is the government doing something secret and is it too fast, is it too slow and all this kind of thing and the vaccine and we got the this and we got the that. You know what? Y'all ain't going to worry me. Y'all are not going to worry me because I have the peace of God. Come on. The passage, that doesn't mean there's nothing to be concerned about. That doesn't mean we're not involved or we're detached. It's just that, walk, listen, Jesus, how many times do we use the example, Jesus walking on the water? He walked on the water. The storm didn't stop. He, that wasn't the time. You might say, well, Jesus said, peace be still. Yeah, but not that time. That was a different time. Read it. That was a different time. Said that there was a storm and the water was contrary and he came to them walking on the water, on the contrary water, not on the water that looked like glass. No, he came to them on the contrary water. Come on, the waves going back and forth, the wind blowing. He's just walking right through it. He's walking right through it. And he just told him, look, do not be afraid. It is I. Come on. It is I right in the middle of all of it. That's the peace that I'm talking. That's why Jesus, that's why Paul said you can't understand it. That's why Paul said you can't comprehend it. How can I have peace in the middle of this storm? But that's the peace that Jesus brings to us. It surpasses. That means to hold above, to excel. Come on. Our own understanding, our intellect, our thinking. Our perceptions, our perceptions. Boy, we have some crazy perceptions sometimes. And it's so hard for us to, to not look at things the way God looks at them. It's very difficult because all we see is, what is what, what's around us. That's what we see. That's what we comprehend. But God is saying, listen, if you'll allow me to, I, I will come to you and I will allow you to see things the way that I see them. And then you will have this wonderful peace. This wonderful peace that keeps our relationships strong. It keeps our relationships strong. Colossians chapter 3 verse 15 said, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. And be thankful. And there's a key word. You would think the key word in this scripture, this verse, uh, verse 15 of Colossians chapter 3 would be peace, right? And that is a key word. Maybe the, the key word in there is rule. Let it rule in your heart. Don't let it just have a, a small place. Let it rule. That, that's a key word. Where? In your heart. That, that's a key word too. In your heart. Where do we want? Do we want outer peace or do we want inner peace? Come on. In our hearts. To which you were called. Called. You were called to this peace. Those are all key words. Let me tell you the key word in that whole scripture to me. 
The key word is let. 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 He says, and let the peace of God. If he says, let the peace of God, that means you can prevent the peace of God. And too often we prevent God's peace. If there is a God, why is there war? Because you don't let his peace rule in your heart. I, I want to say something, but I better not say it. I mean, it, 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 it is amazing to me because I don't, I don't think any less of people who say things like that. I don't think any less of the person because if I didn't have God in my heart, I'd be asking that same question. But I almost, I almost, I almost want to say in my flesh, that's just a dumb question asked by a dumb person. But you're not a dumb person. I know that. Exactly. You're a blind person. That's a dumb question asked by a blind person. That's what I want to say. The message translation says, let the peace of Christ keep you in tune with each other, in step with each other. None, none of this going off and doing your own thing and cultivate thankfulness. Is it possible with so many different opinions, so many different views of how things should be done, is it possible for us to walk in step with each other? The answer is, yes, it is, but only with the person of Jesus Christ. Only with the person of Jesus Christ. Number four, wonderful peace that keeps our heart in troubled times. Now, that sounds a lot like uh, when we talked earlier about perplexing circumstances, uh, but there's just some times that trouble us. You know, I've had some times where circumstances haven't been bad around me, but for some reason I just feel troubled. Have you ever sat up and then thought about your life and thought about, man, here's some failures in my life and, and maybe some regrets and this is where I could be if I would have made that decision or if I would have went to that college or didn't go to college or didn't go to the military if I would have taken that job instead of this job or married that person instead of the one I married, you know, and, uh, you know, or whatever it might be, you know, and you think, and you know what happens when you begin to mull over those things, uh, worry begins to come. And, you know, all these troubled times, your mind becomes troubled. Or just thinking about life and thinking about situations and you recall all of these things. Those are troubled times in your mind. But if you let him, Jesus brings you peace. He steps into your mind, the storm of your mind, and says, peace, be still. Peace, be still. You're right where I knew you would be. Have you made some bad decisions? Maybe. But guess what? You're not the only one. Don't have pride to think that you're the only one that's made some bad decisions in your life. Come on. Don't walk in pride. Okay? Does that help you? Don't walk in pride. All right? You've made bad decisions. Everyone's made some bad decisions. But that's why Jesus said, I bring peace in the middle of troubled times. John 14, 27, peace is what I leave with you. This is the good news translation. Peace is what I leave with you. It is my own peace, my peace I give to you, my peace I give to you. I do not give it as the world does. Do not be worried and upset. Do not be afraid. John 14, 27, Jesus is not telling us I'm giving you just some arbitrary peace. I'm giving you my peace, that peace I had when I walked on the water. In the middle of the storm, that peace I had when I was going to the cross, even though I said 
uh, Father, take this cup from me, but not my will, but your will be done. You might say, well, Jesus was troubled. Yeah, but he also said, not my will, but your will be done. How could he say that? How could he say that? Knowing what he was about to face. My peace I give to you. There's a poem by Ann Johnson Flint who suffered from crippling arthritis. And it was most of her life that she suffered with this. This is what she wrote. She said, he giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. He sendeth more strength when the labors increase. To add an affliction, he adds mercy. To multiplied trials, he multiplies peace. When we have exhausted our store of endurance, when our strength has failed ere the day is half done, when we reach the end of our hoarded resources, our Father's full giving is only begun. His love has no limit. His grace has no measure. His power has no boundaries known to men. For out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he gives and gives and gives and gives again. This is the God that you serve. If you find yourself in troubled times, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Number five, wonderful peace in the storms we face. And I know that sounds like the purpose perplexing circumstances that it sounds like the troubled times but there are times when we face storms and Jesus brings us peace in the midst of the storms I know that there's circumstances that come against us sometimes there's just storms that are not specific to you it's just a storm there are times when there's just a storm out there Matthew 4 39 in the good news translation says Jesus stood up and commanded the wind remember he said this, be quiet, peace be still, be quiet. And he said to the waves, be still. And then guess what? The wind died down and there was a great calm. You know, in the message translation of Mark 4, 39, uh, Eugene Peterson put it this way. He said, Jesus stood up and said, awake now. He told the wind to pipe down and he said to the sea, quiet, settle down. The wind ran out of breath and the sea became smooth as glass. That's the kind of peace that Jesus can give us. His word where we can tell situations, be quiet, settle down, settle down in the storms that we face. Wonderful peace can fill your life with hope and joy, hope and joy. Romans 15, 13 says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God's word translation say, May God, the source of hope, he's where hope comes from, by the way, fill you with joy and peace through your faith in him. Then you will overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. What do we hope in? Our hope is in the promises of God that absolutely cannot fail. Our hope is in joy, and our hope is with joy. It's with anticipation of dreams fulfilled. 
This is not just some uh, dying hope or frivolous hope. Our hope is with expectation. It's called faith. Hope with overflow of the Holy Spirit that he'll guide me and lead me. Your word is a lamp unto my feet in the midst of circumstances. Easy to say that when everything is going right. 2019, easy to say, oh, God's word is a lamp unto my feet. How often did we hear that scripture in 2020? We should have heard it more in the midst of perplexing circumstances and troubled times. Your word is a lamp unto my feet because you've given me a hope and you've given me peace in the middle of all of this, of all of this. And wonderful peace is sustained as we keep our perspective. Listen to me. We absolutely need to keep our godly perspective. Isaiah 26, 3, you know it well. It says you will keep him in perfect peace, not just peace. My peace I give to you. My peace is perfect peace. Whose mind, here's the condition, is stayed on you because he trusts in you. He trusts in you. That person trusts in you. So if your mind is focused on your Lord and Savior, God promised through Isaiah that he would keep you in perfect peace. Let me just drive that point home with you. It, do you have perfect peace? I, if I were to be honest with you, and I have to be honest, I'm standing in the pulpit. We, all, we should always be honest, but especially right here. Uh, I, I wouldn't want to tell a story or even a fib here. Uh, if I were to be honest with you, I would say that I am not always at perfect peace. I'm not always at perfect peace. But the scripture doesn't say, ah, oh, sometimes you'll be at perfect peace, sometimes you won't be. I don't know if you understand the impact of what God is telling you. You are his people through Isaiah. He said, he, you will keep him, Isaiah is saying. You will keep him, God. You will keep that person in perfect peace whose mind, that's our part of it. His, his part is the perfect peace. Our part is to keep our mind focused on God. Came across a paragraph uh, by an 85-year-old woman uh, that I think is an absolute classic. <laughs> Here, here's, what, here's what she wrote. She said, if you live to be 75 years old, you will live over 657,000 hours. Did you know that? 657,000 hours. That's almost two-thirds of a million hours that you're going to live. She said, that's too much to be anxious about all the time. So don't worry. That's the advice. Worry is kind of like a rocking chair. It is something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. So don't worry. Here's what she went on to write. She, she was reflecting on her life at age 85. She said, God, if I had my life to live over, I would relax and ramble around and be sillier than I had been on this trip. I would take fewer things so seriously, and I would take more chances. I would take more trips, and I would climb more mountains and swim more rivers. I would eat a little more ice cream. Is there keto ice cream? I don't know. Uh, and less prunes. I would perhaps have some, some people don't have that problem, I know, so that's, she's talking to people who don't eat that much ice cream. Some of y'all don't have that problem, ignore that one. 
uh, I would eat a little more ice cream and less prunes. I would perhaps have some actual troubles, but I'm sure I would have fewer imaginary ones. How many of us have imaginary troubles? She said, you see, I'm one of those people who have lived sensibly and safely, hour after hour, day after day. Oh, I have had my moments. And if I had it to do all over again, I would have more of them. Just moments, one after another, instead of living so many years in a big chair, acting like all those people who never go anywhere without a thermometer, a hot water bottle, a raincoat, and a parachute. If I had it to do all over again, I would worry less, I would laugh more, and I would pick a lot more daisies. <laughs> this is what she wrote, looking back at 85. And I think it's beautiful to be able to have some perspective of your life at 85. But I think it's more beautiful to be able to say, listen, I am here, right here, right now. No matter what I've done in the past, I can let the peace of God rule in my heart despite everything that's going on. Of course, it doesn't mean we're not going to be concerned. Of course, it doesn't mean we're not going to be involved or we're going to be disattached uh, from life and from the world. No, we are in the world. We're just not of it, but we are in it. We're just not of it, okay? We're not of it. We bring a different perspective. We bring a different perspective. That's what an arbitrator, an arbitrator uh, is sometimes. They bring, you know, two people are fussing and they only see their own world. They bring it to an arbitrator. I don't know y'all's history. I don't know any of that, but I'm just going to take it and listen and then make a ruling or a suggestion. See, that's what we are. We're kingdom people, but we've allowed ourselves to get caught up in the silliness and the mess of the world. We've allowed ourselves to get caught up in it, but we need to bring a kingdom perspective to change it. Lastly, folks, wonderful peace is God's blessing for your life. His peace is your blessing. I know you're looking for money so you can pay off all of your bills. I know you're looking, whatever it is, for that person to marry if you're a young person. you're look, Whatever it may be, but understand that God's peace is a blessing. Numbers 6, 25 and 26 says, the Lord make his face to shine upon you. You know it. And be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. It's part of the blessing of the Lord. God's blessing is peace for us and we can have that peace. We can have that peace.